welcoming the newest member of the Fox Clan and the newest, the newest member of the church. I think I've got his picture up there. Rebecca's got him here today. I wasn't sure if he was going to make it here today, but I've got his picture. This is little Elias Levi, and we are so overjoyed. So thank you for praying for us. And we've had people bring us meals and just offer support, and we just appreciate it. We are so blessed beyond measure in so many different ways. And so thank you for praying for us and uh, being there for us. We appreciate that. And today we're going to continue our series through the book of Acts. And so if you got a Bible with you, I'm just excited. Uh, I haven't got to speak to you in a week, and so I'm, I'm fired up. I hope you're ready. you got your seatbelts on. But today we're going to continue through the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 3, if you have a Bible today. And the title of my message is The Way to Healing. And, and I believe God is in the business of healing. Amen? Amen. And so today I want to begin, while you turn to Acts chapter 3, I'm going to begin with a story uh, of a man named Salvador Alvarenga. In November of 2012, <clears throat> this man with his partner, his fishing partner, uh, headed out to sea on a small boat. I think I've got a picture of a similar boat. And they headed out to sea um, to go fishing for a couple days. And they were going to go fishing commercially and bring the fish back. And somewhere along the way, about two days into their trip, they had motor problems, and their engine wouldn't start in this tiny little vessel. And of course, at the exact same moment that happened, a storm came upon Mexico. Um, so they did the only thing they could. They called for help using their radio, as right as their radio batteries died, they called for help. And uh, as you might expect, a search party was sent to go look for them. And for two days, they searched the ocean in this tumultuous storm that was going around Mexico. And for two days, they searched, and two days, they found nothing. And so this man, Salvador, and his uh, fishing partner were lost at sea. And, and as a, a story that sounds like it's something out of science fiction or fiction, uh, they actually were lost at sea adrift uh, for not just a couple of days, not just a couple of months, but for 438 days this man was, uh, was lost at sea. Uh, and he said, he, he describes part of his journey in the first couple of days as they expected rescue to come. Their boat was about to capsize, and so they did uh, something that in hindsight probably seems foolish. They threw overboard all the fish that they had caught and all of their fishing hooks and all of the supplies that they, they would have needed to survive. They threw them all overboard to try and make the ship a little bit more stable. Well, as they turned out, they needed those things. And so he describes his whole process of trying to fish with no fishing hooks in the middle of the ocean and trying to, to find water and finding trash in the ocean to, and actually eating rotten food that he found floating in the ocean. Uh, but for 438 days he was out there, uh, him and his fishing partner, his fishing partner unfortunately succumbed to the elements and died along the way. But he described this process over a 14-month period of trying to trying to affect his own rescue, trying to figure out a way to get saved. And something sounds like maybe cast away a movie scene. Uh, but this is a real story that happened to him. And he described being out in the ocean and seeing upwards of 20 large sea vessels uh, go by on the horizon, uh, a little bit out of his distance, a little bit out of his grasp. And each time he would work up the energy to, to wave his arms and, and call out for help. And each time, he felt alone as the ships came and the ships went. Well, 14 months later, he landed on a small island in the middle of the Pacific, 6,700 miles from where he was first 
uh, lost at sea. And I, I tell his story because I believe that sometimes we feel like that man. Maybe we haven't been lost at sea, but there's times in life that we feel like uh, we are, we're on a boat, we're adrift at sea, and no one can see us. Though sometimes we feel like I'm crying for help, no one can see me, no one hears me, no one's coming to my rescue. And this morning, before we dive into the word, we're gonna look at Acts chapter three. I just wanna say this, this is the, the first point today. God sees you. God sees you even when the world does not see you. And today we're going to look at a story of a man who, was, who felt like this man lost at sea. He felt like he was in the middle of a city and no one could see him. That people walked past him every single day and never, never looked at him, never saw him because of the situation that he was in. And I believe there's moments in every one of our lives where we feel that way. I know there's moments in my life where I felt that way. I can be in a crowd and not seen. I can be invisible, though I have people around me. Though I'm not on a, on a boat in the middle of nowhere, I can feel like no one can see my hurting. And God says, I see you, even if the world does not see you. And so, would you turn to the person next to you and just say those words, God sees you? He sees you. See, the, re the reality is this, is that you have not been forgotten. That no matter what life has thrown at you, no matter how far you feel from the place where you began, the place where you got set adrift, God says, I see you right where you are and right there with you. Sometimes we feel like God's far away. The reality is that God is not far away from any one of us. He's near to every one of us, but sometimes we need to call to him. We need to stop trying to, to affect our own rescue and talk to the one who can save us and redeem us. You have not been forgotten. You have not been broken beyond repair. You have not gone too far from God for him to rescue you. And this is the truth that, that scripture proclaims over and over again that the God of the universe says none of us have gone too far. Amen? Amen. This is the good news. And this is what I love about Jesus is that he's always doing this. Every time when Jesus was walking through his earthly ministry, he would walk past people, but he wouldn't walk past them. He would walk near people that everyone else would just ignore and he would see them. There was a woman that had a, a bleeding issue that had been uh, afflicted for years and years and she had tried to get help and then Jesus walks into her story and suddenly she's healed, suddenly she's seen, suddenly her life has changed. I think of another man who was, uh, had a demonic uh, issue. We might call his issue a mental issue because he looked out of his mind and he was actually locked up with chains in a graveyard and left. This is a great culture they lived in, right? They left him chained up and, and he just kept escaping. But when Jesus came into his story, everything changed. He was healed, he was delivered from the demonic and God did a work in his life. And everywhere Jesus went, people that otherwise had been outcast, that otherwise had been invisible, otherwise had been forgotten, Jesus reminded them that the God of heaven sees you that he knows about your pain and he wants to bring healing and wholeness and restoration to your life. And this is the message that Jesus continually proclaimed. And as the followers of Jesus picked up the baton after Jesus ascended to heaven, they carried this same message. And where they went, the God of heaven saw people as God's people saw people. And God began to give them a new perspective and new eyes to see. And that's what we're gonna look at today, this story of a man who had felt 
probably forgotten for a large portion of his life, overlooked. And the words that the scripture uses are so important, and so I want to read them. Acts chapter 3, we're going to read the first 10 verses. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And it says, Now Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, about 3 p.m. And a man lame from birth, he was unable to walk from birth, was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. So every day he had been set at this gate to beg, to ask for help, to ask for uh, a handout from those that went by. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him. Peter saw him. as John did as well, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately, say immediately. Immediately immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This is amazing. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love this man's story. Because this man's story was radically changed in a moment with, with these followers of the way. As they, it, as they saw this man as others had not seen before. And this is the story I love because this way, as followers of this way, following after Jesus, when we follow after him, it gives us eyes to see people in a new way. It gives us eyes to see people in a new way. See, what I love about this whole story is that I would imagine that John and Peter had walked through this gateway at the hour of prayer every day of their lives for who knows how many times. They had walked past this man who was set there every day and not seen him. And yet in this moment, I believe the Holy Spirit of God quickened their eyes to see someone that perhaps just maybe they would have overlooked the day before. That they might have walked past many times, but God gave them eyes to see someone that was in need, someone that was broken, someone that was hurting. And this is, this is part of our humanness that we can sometimes miss things that are important, can't we? Any parent, any spouse, uh, anyone who's had any sort of relationship will tell you, we can miss things, things that are important. We can forget things. We can overlook things. And sometimes we think we can pay attention to everything, but the reality is that there's so much that happens in our life that we just don't see. I was having this conversation recently uh, with some people that were talking about this idea that, well, we were talking about a lot of things, but we were talking about this one idea that that when I start to think about something, maybe I'm looking for a specific type of car. 
When I go driving, you know what I see everywhere? I see that type of car that I'm looking at. I'm like, where did all these things come from, right? Like if you start thinking about Volkswagen bugs, you're gonna see them everywhere. Be like, they're just coming out of the woodwork now. And we have this revelation that, that it's not that they're multiplying, it's simply that our eyes are tuned into thinking about those things, and so now all of a sudden, those things that were there and ignored by our minds, now we see. We see them everywhere. There's one over there. Man, there's one in front of me. There's one behind me. They're everywhere, right? We can't get rid of them. And there's, sociologists have termed this phrase, they've called it inattention blindness. This idea that we can focus in on something and miss huge things because we're focused in on something. And I'll just tell you, I'm really good at focusing my eyes. Uh, I'm the kind of person that, man, when I get myself to a task, I can just focus in and get it done until it's done. And I look up and say, when did it get dark outside, right? Uh, I, I, we can do that in life. But there's, they have the, a phrase called inattention blindness. Um, and the idea is this. They actually tested folks. And I think I've shown this video to you or explained this idea to you before. But they showed videos uh, and they do this test on inattention blindness. And they have people passing a basketball, some in black shirts, some in white shirts. And they, they tell you, I want you to focus and count how many times they pass the basketball, the people in the white shirts. And you're focusing in on it. And somewhere in the middle of the video, they do something unusual. Uh, sometimes they have a, a guy in a gorilla suit walk through the, the video scene. And, and they ask people to count how many times they see the basketball passed. And many people are able to get the right number because they're paying attention. And then they ask those same people, did you see the gorilla that walked through the scene? And over 50% of the people, they miss it completely. I mean, he's a gorilla in a bright gorilla suit and he's, like, he's doing this and they miss it. And th their whole point is that we have trained ourselves to focus on what we want to focus on and ignore everything else. And this is what I believe sometimes we do. And I ask you this question. What are the things that God wants you to see that you have tuned out? What are the things that are right in front of your life that God is saying, that's important, and yet for one reason or another, we've just overlooked it. We might see it, but we don't perceive it. We miss it. And I ask this question because I think it's an important question to ask. And it's a question I want to ask of myself as I was preparing this message. I said, Lord, what, is the thing, what are the things that I'm missing? What are the things you want me to see in my relationships? What are the things you want me to see as I go to the grocery store, as I'm driving in traffic? God, what are the things that you want me to focus my eyes on? And more than that, the prayer in the morning, God, what do you want me to see today? Give me eyes to see what you have for me. These are important questions to ask. And Peter and John, they see this man. And I believe that the gospel mission the mission of the way as we are men and women sent by Jesus to share this good news with the world. The gospel mission gives us new eyes to see people. Where before we might have just seen a man on the side of the, uh, of the gate that we walk past every day. Now we see a person made in the image and likeness of God that's valuable to God, that's important to God. And I believe we are all subject to this. There's people that we overlook Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's someone that lives right across the street from us or we see on a regular basis or we sit next to at the coffee shop regularly and God is saying, I want you to ask me the question, who do you want me to see today, God? Because I believe that we have the ability to miss it, but we also have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to see those people that God says, I want you to talk with that person. I want you to see 
that person. And the gospel mission gives eyes to see people in a new way. And Peter, it says, Peter in verse four, he directed his gaze at him as did John. And he said, look at us. See, this man had gotten so used to being unseen that as he begged for help, he didn't even look at the people. His head was likely down with his cup up and he didn't even want to look up because he'd been so used to being overseen, over, overlooked rather, and unseen that he didn't even look up. And so this gospel mission gives these disciples eyes to see this man in a new way. And I believe that there's people in need all around us. And yes, there are some people that have physical needs that live around us that we're gonna walk past. But everyone we meet is in need of spiritual healing. Every person that we meet that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is in need of salvation. They're in need of the healing that only God can bring. Whether our physical bodies are well or unwell, all of us are in need of a touch from God. Um, and, and we all are in need of those things. But there are people all around us. It says this man was lame from birth. Every day he was carried to the gate and he was left there to beg. Culturally, a man in his position wouldn't have been able to work. He wouldn't have been able to provide a living for himself. And so he would have been an outcast of society in many ways. This man was, was just left there to beg all day long. He had a very difficult life. Uh, but there are people all around us with needs. And I'll just say this, because I think it's important to even note that this man didn't go to the gate. He didn't have his friends set him at the corner of this gate so that he could be healed. He didn't go to a place of healing like some of the other people that Jesus encountered along his ministry. He was just looking for money. But it was in that place and in that moment that God chose to bring healing to his brokenness, to heal his body, and healing found him. And I say that perhaps that's your story too. Perhaps you came here today just looking for something, but God says, I want to do something different. And sometimes we come to God with expectations of what we're expecting to receive from God or what we want to see or hear him say or what we want him to do in our lives. And there's times where God says, you came for this, but I've got something so much better for you. Yeah. And for this man, he was just looking for a couple bucks and what God gave him was his legs. What God gave him was an ability to stand on his feet. And don't you love what it says? He didn't just stand up and was like weak in the knees. No, he was standing and leaping and praising God. This man was healed. He was radically transformed. And sometimes we come to God and we say, God, I want this. And God says, well, I could give you that, but I'd rather give you this. This is so much better. And sometimes we have to shift our perspective on those things that we come to God. And perhaps that's your story. And as Peter and John, they said, look at us. I, I hear the Holy Spirit of the Lord speak to us and say the same thing to us. There's moments when our eyes are not, we're not lifted up, but they're fixed downward at our problems. They're fixed downward in dejection. Maybe we feel like we've been lost too long or, or we've gone too far or our circumstances are too, too dire. And so our eyes are down and I believe the God of heaven would say, look up. Look up at me. Look to me. When you are in a place of need, don't just look down and ask for help. Look up. Lift our eyes up to the heavens. That's where our help comes from. As the psalmist says, this is what God wants us to do. See, even though the world may miss us, God sees us. 
Turn to the person next to you again and say, God sees you. Even if the world does not see you, God sees you. And this way, it gives us eyes to see people in a new way. Secondly, as followers of this way, we are commissioned to serve others where we can. And I love what it says in verse 6. He says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. But what I do have, I give to you. See, there's something of a radical generosity that takes place in the life of Peter and John. And though their, their pockets aren't filled with gold and silver coins, by the way, uh, if you pursue the ministry, that's not usually the way it works. Uh, uh, just, just putting that out there. That's just not the way it works. These men are serving the Lord. And they say, I don't got silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to be radically generous with what I do have. And what I do have is the power of God. And this is something that's so important. This is one of the reasons that we love to help people with physical needs in any way we can. That's one of the reasons we've got an amazing team of volunteers and dream team members that serve in our food pantry and pick up food and distribute food and help people with physical needs where we can. There, there's areas that we can serve and help and we wanna do those things. But there's something important about this idea that, man, it's why we don't always just give a handout, but we help people with a hand up. We've heard that expression. This is a great example of where that expression comes from. See, this man was just looking for a handout, and they literally gave him a hand up. They helped him to his feet. And this is one of the reasons I love that we have so many people in our church family that serve God through their gifts. We've got a council and other people that, that say, hey, when someone's got a financial problem, we can certainly help in some ways. By the way, we can't help in every financial way. But what we can do is, is we want to help you to, to learn how to not get yourself in that same spot again. And so we've got, we've got men and women in our church family that say, hey, if you've got a financial problem, we want to not just give you money, but we want to, we want to help you come up with a budget so you don't get here again. Because some of the times that what happens, it's not, it's not that they're having a hard situation. It's just that things have happened and, and things have gone wrong. And, and, and we want to help them get there. And this is something that's beautiful. As followers of the way, we're commissioned to serve others where we can. But we do help others where we can, especially within the family of God. Uh, John's epistle, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, says this. It says, by this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. He gives us this commission, this command that, that just as Jesus laid down his life for us, we're to lay down our lives for one another. He goes on. Some of us would be good if that was the end of it, but he says no. Verse 17, if anyone has the world's good and sees goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, there's something powerful about this, this reality that when we have the world's goods, that we should be helping one another where we can. And there's something important about this, but this is something that, that, that is a heart issue more than it has to do with anything else. See, God loves to give his gifts to his generous, those who are generous with what he's given them. And I, I have an understanding of this as a father. I now have six beautiful boys. Just got sweaty all of a sudden. I'm not sure why. And there's nothing that I love more than to give my children good things. 
to be able to bring home a carton of ice cream or to, to give a gift. And I'm never more proud and more excited and more willing to give more when I see one of my sons and he'll get a gift or buy something special and he'll say, hey, you don't have any gumballs. I'll give you a couple gumballs. Oh, you don't have any gumball. And they've got a lot of brothers. So being generous to one means being generous to all. So when they do that, as a father, my heart says, I want to give that boy even more because I know he's going to be good with it and he's going to be generous with it and he's going to bless so many people with the gifts that I give to him. See, God loves to give gifts through generous givers. And I believe God wants to change our scarcity mentality and transform it into a generosity mentality. And I find it so funny, the speaker at our conference yesterday was talking about this very thing, as I felt like the Lord was calling us to talk about this. See, because there's two different ways we can think about the gifts that the Lord bestows on us. One is the scarcity mentality that says, it's mine, right? It's mine, I've got it, I found it, it's mine. There's not enough of it, and so I'm gonna take what I've got and I'm gonna hide it away. I'm not gonna tell you I have it, it's gonna be secretly hidden away and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna share it with anyone else. And God says, I want to change the way you think about those things, see, because a scarcity mentality says, I've got it and I'd better protect it. But a generosity mentality sees things differently. It sees things and says, uh, it sees the world and the things in this world as they truly are, transient, temporary. Uh, just as my son would give to share his, his gumballs with his brothers, that those things are gonna be here today and gone tomorrow. And it's a completely different perspective. I think God wants to radically reorient the way we think about our stuff. Uh, and I'm not calling for us to be some crazy group, but I'm saying that we would stop thinking about just me, myself, and I, and start thinking, God, how can I bless others? And by the way, I'm not just talking about money. So some of y'all are like grabbing your pocketbooks right now. I'm not talking about your money. Radical generosity has, has some to do with our money, but it has to do with the way we see our world. That we say, my time is not just for me. It's so that I can bless and serve others. That, that the gifts that God's put in me, they're not just for me. That I can use them to bless and serve other people. That yes, when God gives you a giftedness, he, he gives you an ability that is to bless you, that is to bless your family, but it's not just about you and your family. It's we say, God, how can I use that to serve other people? See, this is what the scripture says, uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift. What kind of gift? Is that just money? Maybe. But no, it's any kind of gift. Ability. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. And he goes on to talk about all the different types of gifts that we can serve others with. And he says this idea that, that those things that God has blessed us with, those gifts he's given us, use them to serve one another. This is a different perspective. See, the reality is that we are better together, but only if we'll see the gifts that God has given me as an ability to bless you. See, because when we have people in the family of God and this is why I love our dream team. We've got people with so many varied gifts and they serve God and they serve people through their gifts. Some behind the scenes that no one ever sees, they're serving and upbuilding our church family. 
some changing diapers and some, some doing administration and some overseeing finances and some doing things that no one will ever even know about. But as we have people serve God and serve people with their gifts, we're so much better together. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to give away what God has given you? Are you, having an, are you living your life with an open hand or a closed hand? And again, stop thinking about your pocketbook for two seconds here because I'm not just talking about the way we give generously with our finances, although that's a part. But are you willing to give away what God has given you? Because I believe that, that God has instilled wisdom in you. And as we're gonna look about this man uh, and see how God shapes his life God heals him in a miraculous way, and then God uses his story to bring this message of God's great love further than any one of the disciples could have brought on their own. Are you willing to give away what God has given you? See, there's something powerful that happens when we say, yes, God, I'm willing to give away what you've given me. See, there's something powerful that takes place when you say, God, I'm willing to to give it away to other peoples, to invest in the next generation, to invest in other people's lives, to, to mentor people that are not quite as long, far along as I am in walking with Jesus, to walking with others and giving away what's been poured into our lives. See, my prayer is this. My prayer is that as God's people, we would be the most generous people this world has ever seen. We'd be generous with our resources, We'd be generous with our time. We'd be generous with our grace as grace has been freely bestowed on us that we would be the most gracious and loving and accepting and welcoming people this world has ever seen. See, but that begins as we begin to see ourselves not as a people of scarcity or there's only enough grace for me. There's only enough time for me. There's only enough resource for me. And instead of thinking ourselves in this scarcity mentality, we start seeing ourselves in this generosity and we realize that every blessing that I have is from God. That as he's lavished upon me his grace, man, I can just give it away to others. As God lavishes upon me his gifts, man, I can just give it away to others. And you know what happens when I give it away? He just keeps filling it in. It's amazing how that works. We don't understand it. We don't, sometimes we don't, we don't believe it. We gotta step out in faith and say, God, I'm gonna give my time away. And then suddenly I have more time. It's like, oh my gosh, I lost my time. No, God restores it. He meets us with those things. So my prayer is that we would be the most generous people this world has ever seen. And see, we can read this story, and I don't want us to miss the punchline of this story. Verse seven through nine tells us that this man was healed miraculously by the power of God. It says, and he, Peter, took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him and they recognized him and they're like, what? That's my interpretation. What? And I just want to say this. God wants to use your story to impact the world. He wants to turn your trials into a testimony. And that only takes place if we'll look to God, if we'll turn to him and allow him to bring healing to our bodies and healing to our souls and healing to us, spirit, soul, and body. God wants to bring healing. And this man, we don't know exactly how old he was, but he sat for his entire lifetime lame, unable to get off the mat himself. 
And yet, in this moment, he has an encounter, not with Jesus in the flesh, but with Jesus' followers, these followers of the way, who saw him with new eyes. And in this moment of time, they have an encounter with the living God, and God, through his power, brings healing to his body. This is the moment that changes his story forever. And I believe God wants to, wants to write a story in your life as well. And this man from this moment forward had a story to tell of God's power. He had a story to tell about how God had transformed him. And some of y'all don't feel like you have a story from God. And I believe God wants to make you whole Sometimes it's from a physical ailment and we do believe that God is still in the healing business and can heal us physically in our bodies. But I think even more than that, there's times where, man, we, we, we will come to God when our body is hurting, but when our soul is hurting, we don't think God can bring healing to that. I believe this man was restored spirit, soul, and body. See, he's leaping and he's praising God. He's celebrating. God brings him joy in the midst of of his difficulty. He might feel like that man that we talked about at the very beginning, like his life was just adrift. And yet God found him. God rescued him. God sent his people, his followers of the way, who had redeemed eyes to see. And these men saw him as he was adrift. And they found him and they brought him hope. They didn't just throw him a, a bottle of water, a lifeline, but they pulled him up out of his place of hopelessness and brought hope to his story. See, we must allow our healing to be a walking testimony to all. See, the people saw him walking and praising God. This man's life was changed and turned around. And uh, I, I believe God wants to do the same sort of thing in our lives today if we'll allow him. And I, I was thinking about him because I was just imagining what it would have been like going back to the man Francisco to be on a boat out at sea and watch ships go by and not have any way to reach out. And he waved his arms and he tried to get to them, but they couldn't see him. And I was thinking about it on, a, on every vessel, at least by the U.S. Coast Guard standards, they're required to have a thing called a flare gun. And I was thinking about, I was gonna bring my flare gun in, but I didn't wanna burn the church down. Uh, so I think I've got, a, I've got a picture of a flare gun, Josh, I think. Uh, so there's, that's what it looks like. They won't trust me with flare guns in the church. I don't know why. Yeah. But I've got a picture of what one looks like. And I was, I was thinking, there's times in our lives where if, you, if you're stuck out in a boat and you can't get to shore and you see someone near, you can shoot a flare gun. And they'll see that from miles away. As the bright flare goes up into the sky, whether it's day or night, it's very visible to see. And I believe the Lord of heaven was, was reminding me as I was thinking about that, that no matter where we go or how far we've been, sometimes we feel like the world can't see us. But the, the Lord, I believe, wants to remind us that if we'll, if we'll pull out our flare gun, if we'll cry out to heaven, he'll hear you'll see. And I believe that with every fiber of my being. And so I want to pray for you, regardless of where you're at or where you've been, as we hear this man's story of how God rescued him, how God saw him through his people when no one else could. I believe God sees you. And so I want to, I want to cry out to him today. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? We're going to respond to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. 
God, we thank you that even when the world does not see us, you see us. And in a moment, we're going to receive of Holy Communion as a reminder of the fact that you made a way for us to be redeemed, to be saved, and it's not about what we do for ourselves. We don't have to enact our own salvation, but you made a way where there was no way. And it's our reminder, Jesus, that you made a way, that you are the only way to the Father, the only way to healing, the sort of healing that all of us need. Some of us need physical healing for our bodies. Others of us have wounds in our soul. God, you're the God who can bring healing to our woundedness. And some of us need spiritual healing. We need to come home to you, God. Regardless of where we came from today, Lord, we believe that you're the God who can bring those things. And in a few moments, we're gonna receive of communion. And before we do, communion is our reminder Jesus, that you laid down your life, that your body was broken to make us whole, that your blood was poured out to cover our sins. God wants to give you hope, a hope that's like a steadfast anchor for your soul. No matter what storms may come, no matter what happens, you can be sure that your life will not be set adrift. Thanks to Jesus, we can have forgiveness. So before we receive of communion, I wanna ask you with every head bowed and eye closed, perhaps you're here, you're within the sound of my voice and you feel like your life has been set adrift. You've wandered from God. Maybe you once walked with him, but now you're far from him. You say, it's time for me to come home as, as we would lift up that flare gun and raise a flare to heaven to say, God, I need rescue. Today, maybe that's you today. And you say, I need to come home to God. With every head bowed and eye closed in this place, if that's you, within the sound of my voice, would you just lift up your hand? I want to agree with you in prayer. You say, God, I need to be saved. I want to be redeemed. I want to come home to you where I've wandered far from you. Anyone in the house today say, that's my story. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that no matter how far we run, no matter how far we feel like we drift, Lord, that you're always there. You always see us. That though we can wave our arms for the world to see us and not be seen, God, all we have to do is but look to you, to lift our eyes to heaven, and you are there. So Lord, I pray that you'd give us a fresh reminder of that truth, that no matter how lonely, how lost, how broken we feel. God, you're right there with us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I want to just invite you today. We are a church that believes that God is still in the healing business. If you're in need of healing in the moment as we come to the Lord's table to receive of the bread and the cup, as you remember his body that was broken, if you're in need of healing, spirit, soul, or body, you're in need of God, God's touch in some area of your life, I wanna encourage you. Don't just eat it and, and drink the cup and just go through the motions. But I wanna ask you to, to just ask the Lord, God, I need healing. God, I need your healing touch in this area of my life. The, the Bible says this in Matthew 26, it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it 
And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he said to them, drink all of it, uh, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. See, as we eat of the bread today, we remember Jesus' body was broken. And the, the prophecy about Jesus declared that his body was broken to make us whole. By his stripes, we are healed. And so this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, if you're in need of healing, touch from God, I want to just, don't just eat the bread and drink the cup. Ask the Lord. You can bow, you can talk with him at your seat, whatever you need to do, but lift your eyes to heaven today as we come to his table. I want to pray, and then I'm going to have you invite you to come to receive from the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. God, we thank you that you saw us and you see us now. There's nowhere we can run from your presence. You're there everywhere. And so, Lord, today as we come to your table to break bread together in symbolism of your body that was broken for us, to drink the cup of the vine today and symbol of your blood that was poured out, Lord, may we, may we find healing where we need healing, spirit, soul, and body. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you'd come forward and receive of those communion elements, our band's gonna play and we're gonna sing a final song in a few minutes, but come forward, receive. And for your name 
peace beyond the clouds Though I walk through fire I see clearly now I know nothing has been wasted No failure or mistake You're an artist and a potter I'm the compass and the clay together for my future and for my good you make all things work together for your glory and for your name you make all things work together for my future and for my good you make all things work together for your glory and for your name as you feel led you can stand up and sing with us if you don't know the song it's okay just hear it. When I doubt it, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. And I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. You're an artist and a potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. And I know the clay and I know nothing has been wasted no failure or mistake you're an artist and a potter I'm the canvas and the clay and you make all things work together for my future and for my good you make all things work together with me yet you're not finished with me you're not finished with me yet you're not finished with me you're not finished with me yet you're not finished you're not finished with me I heard, um, it's kind of comical, uh, but I heard 
the, uh, the story about the, the beggar at the gate kind of a different way. And someone once told me that here's this guy at the gate begging for alms and God gave him legs instead. Um, yeah, kind of comical. But, but the reality is he focused his need on needing money. God saw beyond what he saw, what he was focused on, and met him where he really needed to be met. So I encourage you, when God comes to you and gives you a gift, don't look at it and go, God, that's not what I want. Look at it and go, God, why is this being given to me? What deeper need? What other need? And maybe he's giving it to you to share it with somebody else. It's not for you. And that's happened to, to my wife and I many, many times in our walk with God. He's given us something, and I look at it, and I go, what's this all about? And I put it on the shelf, and a week later, somebody says, you know, I really have a need. And there it is on my table. And I go, wow, here it is. God's given it to you. So keep your eyes open this week for not the needs you think you have, but the needs that God's going to meet because he will meet you beyond where you think you need to be. Father, we come this morning, Lord God, and we're so thankful that you do meet our needs, Lord. And, and as, as Pastor Brian said, that you see us even when the world doesn't. Lord, that struck my heart so this morning. Uh, we, we, we so much look for people to recognize and see us. And we need that, but God, the reality is we need you to see us and we need to recognize.